Hello everyone and welcome to the movie change-up Star Wars The Bad Batch review. Uh, we're doing the episode 6 review. I'm Joe Fricky. I'm joined with my co-host as always, Tristan Mayer. We've been reviewing every episode of The Bad Batch. Usually we do it on Friday nights, but Tristan had some stuff going on so he couldn't do it then. Um, Tristan, what were your kind of general overall thoughts on the episode? I believe it was I called it a lot. Decommissioned. You mentioned I had stuff going on. One of the things I ended up doing late last night was watching The Last Jedi, so I was in a very Star Wars mood coming into the podcast today. So I had a good time with the episode. It was probably the closest we've gotten to a filler episode so far this season, where uh, it was just like, oh, here's the adventure and complete it. But once again, they had that little tiny tease at the end, this little tiny things here and there to make you still feel like you're not totally wasting your time. But yeah, I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, okay, this is fun, but let's bring Crosshair back. <laughs> you know, I had a good time, but I'm ready for what's next. Yeah, I thought they were kind of kind of do the thing of like every other episode bounce between like Crosshair and a new villain, but we haven't seen Crosshair for a few episodes now, so it's definitely time to bring him back, I think. Yeah, and we got another yet another crossover character this episode too. Two of them, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> if not three considering who you think is in the end of the episode but we'll get to that towards the end of the podcast when we get to our theories yeah i i i know a lot of people hated the characters i can't the two sisters whose names i'm blanking on right now but um people didn't uh, like trace and rafa i think it is yeah trace and rafa people didn't like them so much in their uh appearance in the final season of the clone wars but i didn't mind them and i actually quite enjoyed them in this episode kind of what were your thoughts on the sisters coming back yeah, I liked him. I didn't mind him in the uh, Clone Wars. I think I think maybe people were upset because they wanted to be focused on uh, the old characters in this final season and introducing new characters like this. I think was like people were like, okay, that's that's not what we came here for. It's not new characters. <laughs> this yeah. is the final season, you know. But yeah, I don't mind them. I think they're pretty good here. I mentioned last week that I'm a little bit tired of these crossover episodes at this point. Like, I enjoy them, I have fun with them, but I do think, like, I want them to introduce new characters or at least bring in characters we haven't necessarily, like, seen in this form before. Like, I think Clone Wars, it was fun because they could bring in, oh, here's the Jedi from that one scene, you know, and make him yeah. cool. <laughs> but I I don't know. I like it, but I'm ready for them to move on and get some new characters, at least for a couple episodes until we get to the, maybe the finale. Yeah. Hey, you can't forget about Sid. Sid's the... Sid's my favorite, you know. Of, That's true. Of like kind of their new Rebels characters besides the Bad Batch. You know, Real Pearlman. Watched a lot of Cheers. You know, Matilda, so. <laughs> I I didn't, I'm curious uh, how you felt like they have this kind of base with Sid now. All right, do you think they're going to be here like permanently, at least for the season? It's like their, their home planet now with Sid, or is this just like a couple episode thing? Yeah, I think Sid's going to be around for at least this season. They're going to be pulling random jobs for her doing you know random random missions i think mm -hmm. i think that's kind of what the vibe i'm getting anyways yeah it's a setup i got for them but anyway sid uh gives them a mission because they did so well on their last one for job of the hunt that now she has another one for him where they get to essentially uh recover this tentacle droid from a old droid factory on Corellia. your favorite planet Corellia. Not going to lie, there a small part of me was like, are we, because we were just talking, I think, on our last review or the review before about characters we'd like to see come to animation, and we were talking like Han is the only character we haven't really seen come to animation from like the main mm -hmm. 
uh, Star Wars characters from the original trilogy. And, like, a part of me was like, are we going to get, like, a, you know, 15-year-old Han Solo in this episode? I was looking for it. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't say I was excited for it, but it would it would have gotten me a pop a little bit, especially if they were like, oh, surprise, all Nen is doing the voice and you didn't know. That yeah. would be what really got me. But yeah, it would have been fun. In hindsight, I'm glad they didn't do that because we already had two characters that cross over. It would be kind of yeah. ridiculous if they're like, oh, also Han Solo is in this yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, I think there's like maybe like 50,000 people that live in the Star Wars galaxy at most. Yeah. And they're all played by about 15 actors. Yeah. yeah. You can never recast them. Let's do CG versions of the same person who already played the character before. Exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, it's animated, so you don't have to worry about that. But yeah, uh, their their mission here is to go recover the tactical droid from the droid uh, factory here on Karelia. And lo and behold, on their uh, should-be easy mission, they run into the problem of Trace and Rafa, characters we've seen in the Clone Wars very recently to this, uh, showing up, and they want the same thing. So they have this kind of battle of two bounty hunters, or two teams of bounty hunters, I guess you'd say, coming for the same goal. What'd you think of that setup, Joe? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was fine. I, I'm still, I still, like you said, would have liked to see new characters, but I kind of like the idea of like, okay, we got to get this tactical droid to figure out how to beat clones, but also like, they could have just like shot them. Like, I, I, I just don't, <laughs> I just like plot wise, I don't understand why you need like the information from a tactical droid to figure out how to beat clones when it's like, okay, they're just like elite soldiers, like, yeah. Like, wouldn't understanding the Jedi and their tactics be more important? Like, that's, like, the clones rarely, at least from what we saw in the Clone Wars, weren't really leading their own mission, so wouldn't, like, so, like, all of their knowledge and information and, like, how they ran missions were based on how the Jedi did stuff. Well, the Empire is going to control and tell the clones to do different tactics and different theories and different ideas, so I don't really know what learning like i i just don't understand how a clone wars tactical droid is really going to help you beat the beat the clones yeah i'm curious if if there was kind of going to be similar to last episode where they she set them up to this easy thing like oh it's just a baby for this one client and it turns out it's a monster for jabba the hut like yeah. maybe she says oh yeah it was a droid for for uh just so they can study how to beat clones but in reality it was for a different purpose maybe the yeah. empire is trying to get it maybe somebody's trying to study how to beat Jedi how to fight against Stormtrooper or something like that you never know it could be the rebellion wants it so that they can study how to fight against clones and they wouldn't necessarily have that information that would be interesting but I mean that's probably not ever going to be explained no, <laughs> but it would be fun as a headcanon to be like oh maybe she had this ulterior motive that it was what she said it was wasn't necessarily what it actually is that I feel like that's yeah. kind of the character she is where she has one motive that she's saying outward then the other motive what she's actually doing with it afterward yeah, I think a lot of times with fan theories, a lot of it is like this weird convoluted thing to explain something away when really the simplest answer is the right answer. If I think we're just supposed to kind of take it as face value and recognize that on a certain level, this is a, you know, a show for like young teens. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you're trying to dissect it with your like 27, 28 year old brain, it's like, of course, you're going to come up with flaws. Yeah, and that's just part of the, especially for these kind of episodes that are just like, oh, go there, get the thing type episodes. Yeah. Yeah. They might not be checking the details so much. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I've seen theories like Dora the Explorer is a show about a girl with like schizophrenia talking to her delusions, and it's like no, or <laughs> or here's an idea: it's a show about teaching kids Spanish. That's that's something. Yeah, you never know. The Occam's Razor. It's a Lucas Razor, you know. Yeah. Uh, I like the kind of uh, setup here of them going to a droid factory. I like that they're bringing in the battle droids once in a while to still make us feel like we're not quite out of the prequel era yet. Where Rebels, it definitely felt like, okay, this is the beginning yeah. of the original trilogy era. This is like the this is the turn of the Empire. The Empire is already here and already powerful. And this still feels like, oh, we're leaving that era behind, so we're not quite out of the Clone Wars yet. And there's this transition period. So I'm, I'm liking that they're bringing in these old characters and these old uh, droids. Yeah, it's curious, like, if there's a line or, like, Lucasfilm you know draws like okay anything before this time period is still like kind of the clone wars era and anything after this time period is like the original trilogy era and all that because to me it's like you're watching bad batch and maybe it's because it's animated but it still very much feels like a clone wars era you know time period but then you look at solo which takes place like i'm trying to like 10 years later and that very much feels like original trilogy so i almost wonder if like the kenobi show which i think is like five years after you know like five to ten years after revenge of the sith that that's going to kind of be that line of like if there's going to be a little bit of prequel trilogy elements but it's going to be a lot more of that original trilogy elements yeah i'm very excited that they're exploring this era of star wars a bit more because we've seen a lot of stuff especially in the recent like disney era of like original trilogy characters and the original trilogy settings like yeah. I swear there's a hundred stories that take place between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back just because of the comic books and the other novels. It's like, I like that they're getting onto these other eras so they can explore a bit more of different things. It doesn't feel quite as condensed as... Because the Star Wars, I feel like, needs to be wider than just like a few er a few years here and there. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. And especially as we go to the High Republic and all of these various, you know, eras and various, like, time periods, I think. It'll be cool to see different settings within Star Wars. Uh, so the action here gets really uh, up up the ante here because the two groups kind of collide and they have this confrontation of who gets to have it and who doesn't, but it gets interrupted because they alert the police droids and then there's a huge battle sequence of all these police droids kind of invading the droid factory and the Bad Batch and uh, the two uh, siblings, I believe they are, have to team up and fight against these police droids in, in kind of an action sequence here. What do you think of this before we get to the finale of it? Uh, that was the moment I kind of figured out what the plot of the episode was going to be. Is they were <laughs> going to have to n destroy all of these police droids because I was like, okay, they don't want the Bad Batch killing people. So as soon as they were like, oh, it's police droids, I'm like, well, they're all Bad Batch is definitely going to have to kill all of them. Yeah, they're taking the George Lucas approach. They're like, okay, remove the moral quandary <laughs> yeah. a little bit at least. Yeah, let's make this less complicated. They're not living creatures, so we can kill them, and you can still root for the good guy. Yeah, that was pretty fun. And I like uh, the dynamics of this scene where they're, the two groups are also competing for the head while still fighting against these police droids, and like they're changing hands and stuff like that. It almost reminds me of, like... <laughs> I don't know the end of Infinity, or the end of Endgame where they're all kind of passing the gauntlet around. Yeah, oh yeah, it reminded know? me of that too. There was a moment of I can't remember. I want to say it was maybe Omega that picked it up and started running with it. That it reminded me very much of Hawkeye picking it up in like that underground tunnel and mm -hmm. started running with it. Was it almost? I wonder if you could go back and compare if it's like an identical shot. And that <laughs> reminds me of one of the things 
of like I saw Dave Filoni say in an interview one time I think he was talking about the Mandalorian where he doesn't watch Star Wars when writing Star Wars he watches like things that inspire him so I wonder if that was like intentional of like because it's like Marvel is more of like the modern day myth so it would make sense to like occasionally pull from that yeah I like that I love Dave Filoni's philosophy of not just tributing Star Wars but like tributing the whole (laughs) <laughs> the yeah. whole film like that's kind of what Star Wars is a big tribute oh. to to film but yeah. yeah I wonder if that is intentional it would be interesting to go back and check like you said because you know, that cars are all under the same branch now yeah yeah I mean you don't have to pay nobody for anything yeah <laughs> uh, we get a confirmation I would say now of Wrecker's plot line here we've had oh, all these yeah, seasons was... him hitting his head and I think it was like episode one he hit his head for the first time and we were like, ooh, is Riker going to be activated? And it looks like now he is. At least that's what they're leading us towards. He hits his head here in this action scene and kind of uh, immediately starts saying like, almost giving out the full line. Yeah, Good, good soldiers so- follow and then doesn't quite finish it. But looks that looks like we're going for an Order 66 turn for Riker here. Yeah, they've been heading at this for a while and I wonder when it's going to come to fruition if they're going to run into... Uh, an old Jedi and that's going to trigger it you know maybe the, you know they're working for Jabba maybe they go to Tatooine and run into Obi-Wan and hmm. you know maybe we see the Bad Batch versus Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's got to fight for his life uh, you know it's kind of and it depends tease if, me like that Joe that sounds pretty awesome <laughs> and especially if we get in a season finale situation like okay we know Obi-Wan lives but like any of the Bad Batch can die and what if Obi-Wan has to kill one of the Bad Batch for you know, in order to survive and, com- you know, complete his mission of protecting Luke, so. I'll be very into that. And I will get towards the end, but I do wonder who they set up towards uh, to be this person that they're answering to, because I don't want to go to the theories yet, but if that's a Jedi that's seizing the final shot here, that could be what record uh, ends up attacking. Yeah. It's not my theory as of yet, but of, of it being a Jedi, but I think it's one of two people. We get yet some more, a little bit of Omega being force sensitive moments here, where she's kind of in touch with her, her feelings and intuition more so than just her, her branch yeah. attacking. Yeah, yeah, we've gotten more from Omega, and I kind of like what they're doing with her. I, I, I thought she was going to be kind of like Mary Sue with the bow, but they've made her like she kind of sucks at it right now, but she shows promise. So, yeah, that's something that happens a lot, and. In these cartoon shows, especially, is they just like any character, not necessarily like Mary Sue type thing, but all these characters will pick up a skill like immediately and be perfect at it. <laughs> but yeah. between this and I think even in Rebels, they had like this transition of the characters having to learn and get better as at least over the course of the first season. But yeah, I liked uh, Omega's kind of, and we got the scene towards the beginning too where Echo is kind of helping her and training her. Yeah. So we get kind of that connection. Where yeah, that, I think we're going to have each of the clones have like a, a couple of moments to connect with Omega throughout the season. Where like it was a big Hunter episode the other week, so now we have a couple of Echo scenes this week. Yeah, that was one of my biggest complaints last week. Is it felt like she had a good relationship with Hunter, a good relationship with Wrecker, and like I couldn't even remember her ever exchanging words with Echo or. Mm-hmm. Uh, tech and so when they had that little exchange and he was teaching her how to use the bow I was kind of happy about that hopefully she gets something with tech in like next episode or the episode after and that would be cool I think that's a good format to 
not make it feel too crowded and give to each, give each of these clones moments to shine without really making it too obvious yeah. that's what you're doing you know yeah and uh, I really like the way they solve this problem here where they're all kind of overwhelmed by the, by the droids so they turn on and kind of mod the battle droids and turn them against the other droids it's almost like this order 66 level thing where they're just like oh that's what the orders are and they turn up and fight against their own their own team here at this point yeah that was kind of cool I like that oh. They were kind of overwhelmed, so they just flipped the switch. And yeah, it was cool, and it was it wasn't something that came out of nowhere. That was like perfectly built up in the plot and set up and where they were at. I liked it a lot. It was a fun way to solve the problem. Yeah. Uh, that's a, a lot from all we got from that battle sequence here. That's yeah. pretty much the center of the episode. Do you have any final thoughts on just like the whole battle plan of the episode here? Uh, not really. I mean, like I said before, I still have like problems with the plot of the episode as a whole but i think as far as what they presented it was fun it was entertaining it wasn't like a mind-blowing episode but i think as far as most of these star wars shows people only remember you know the greatness like the great moments of the great episodes Mm -hmm. and so people always compare it to that but i still feel like it's on par with you know the rebels and clone wars so far yeah, this feels to me like a episode where, like, if I was doing an Essentials of Bad Batch in a few years and I just wanted to hit the highlights, I might not do this episode. But if I was like, oh, I want to watch through, like, a lot of the good ones, I might throw this one on. It seems like, yeah. depending on where they go with this setup thing at the end, which we'll get to, but, yeah, it seems to me like kind of a a good, solid episode that I might not end up thinking about or revisiting very much. And the more they harp on this whole good soldiers follow order things, the more I would just move that. Like, as before I mentioned, like, I would put that quote in my, like, Mount Rushmore of Star Wars animated quotes. But almost the more they harp on it and the more they use it, I'd put it just up on the main Mount Rushmore, you know. I wouldn't at this point in time, but if they keep, like, every time it's said so far, it's just, like, evokes emotion, whether it was... uh, uh, well, Crosshair saying it like a couple episodes ago. Wrecker saying it in this episode, or like starting to say it in this episode. It's just like you know what I think ultimately will earn its spot on that uh, Mount Rushmore is if it gets a, it gets mentioned in Obi Wan or Ahsoka. Like if it's mentioned uh, in one of those two shows or somehow in live action, I think yeah. that's like you've officially canonized this as a Star Wars quote yeah. that is said. Uh, I think Obi Wan's a good spot for it. I I would. Co- Co- if we get a clone somewhere if we get commander cody versus obi-wan and cody sees <laughs> obi-wan and he says good soldiers follow orders before pulling a gun on obi-wan come on and you're telling me that oh, doesn't no. belong in the mount rushmore of star wars quotes then you don't understand star wars no that god we're getting so much star wars but it's so easy to get excited about it when it's just consistently good even yeah. the weaker stuff is like good like this is not the best episode but i had a uh, good time watching yeah. it yeah, if like this is the worst episode of the Bad Batch that we get, then this, you know, I can't complain. So we got two final scenes here that I left to the end because I think they both lead into predictions and theories. The last one is sort of the goodbye scene, where Trace and Rafa say goodbye to Echo. The team, the team throughout this action have kind of bonded, as as the storytelling would say, yeah. <laughs> and and then uh, I think. Omega is the one that offers, like, oh, do you guys want to join our team, maybe? And they say no. So do you think we ever see Trace and Rafa become members of the Bad Batch or team up with them again in a couple at some point in the future? Uh, before I answer this question, I just want to go back uh, to earlier in the episode if I love the exchange where I can't remember which one it was, but it was the older sister saying, like, oh, is that an Echo? And Echo just <laughs> pops in, and he's like, wait, what? 
what did you want and he was like my name's echo and she was like oh that was so good i forgot about that i thought that was great that was one of the funnier lines that we've had so far uh but one of the things i remember sid saying in the previous episode is you need money and or like you need money or you need a job or something and you need friends and i think they're ultimately building you know their friend group for whatever like the final battle of the season is going to be so whether it's like the camino uprising against the empire or whatever whatever the final battle of the season is i think that's kind of what they're building is like i think that's when we could see fennec shand come back we could see trace and rafa come back we could see you know these various characters you know maybe cut laquane comes back we see these various characters that they meet along the way come back to help them out on whatever their final thing is in the final you know in the final episode of the season or maybe trace and rafa come back to help them in the final battle of season two or something like that but yeah, I definitely don't think you've seen the last of them. I think, especially with the setup in the final scene, but I do think, I like that they became friends with them by the end. It wasn't like uh, Phoenix Chan, where they're still kind of enemies. I mean, I guess that makes sense for Phoenix Chan's character, but I think it's also cool for them to have actual friends of who they get along with. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it'll be fun for someone they can just call up in a, in a moment of need and have them show up and save them, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was uh, their droid, R7. Uh, is that Ahsoka's R7, or do you think this is just a different droid that also happens to be an R7 unit? I'd like to think that it is. It'd be fun. You know, I think <laughs> the fact that they all kind of interchange with each other, and especially depending on, you know, I, I might think of, I'm thinking it might be Ahsoka that we see in the last scene here, so if that is where the direction I go with this, it could be a crossover where she ends up getting the droid by the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, I could see a situation more where she is just, like, where Order 66 goes down, she's on the run, and she, like, knows she can't take a droid with her because it's just too much, like, a, a burden, too much that could slow her down, and so she just drops R7 off with Trace and Rafa before she splits. Because yeah, she's like, hey, know. take care of my droid. I don't know how if I'll be able to come. You know, I might come back for it. I might not. But I want you guys to have it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, at some point, they got a line where it's like, oh, this is how we got it. You know, some kind of, like, throwaway line where you're like, yeah. oh, that's my droid. Or she says, oh, nice, and, like, pets him or something. Right. <laughs> some moment where you recognize, oh, it is her droid that she gave up. Yeah. And that gets us to our final scene here where... Uh, Trace and Rafa report to some unseen hologram in a cloak and say, oh, we ran into some deprogrammed droids. I thought you might be interested in knowing about them. And that's that's a nice little setup for whoever that is going and getting the Bad Batch. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of that? Who do you, and then what do you think of the setup? And then also lead me in with who you think it is. Um, I thought the setup was good, and I, I, I forgot about like the wording and tone of that scene, so I definitely think we see Trace and Rafa back this season because I think that's when we find out who that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as predictions, I think I got it narrowed down to two people. I know you su- suggested Ahsoka, but if I remember right in the... Because I watched with the s- subtitles on to help me catch like smaller things, they refer to the person as a he. So unless mm. Ahsoka had a strange phase in her life we don't know <laughs> about, uh, I think it's a male... And I think it's either A, Bail Organa, or B, Dryden Voss. And because they never said they're working for a rebellion. They just said they're working against the Empire. So I could see it being, you know, they're working for the criminal organization Crimson Dawn, who is trying to, like, fight against the Empire to carve out their own little space in the galaxy. 
Yeah, those are both the safest bets, probably, because I think uh, they both would have vested interest in finding these clones, especially uh, Dryden Voss. I imagine that's something that'd be valuable for him as, as a crime lord. <laughs> yeah. And I would love to see him show up. Like you, we mentioned before, they had that bottle made for him for like a shot in the Clone Wars. I doubt they're just going to yeah. uh, do that and be done with it. And if you're keeping up with the comics, uh, Kira and Crimson Dawn made a return uh, a couple couple weeks ago in the Star Wars comics. So it might, you know, we've seen in the show they can just throw out the comics if they really want to, but also that they're willing to tribute scenes from it. You know, like they did that Kanan scene more or less in the spirit of the comic book, even if there was moments changed. Yeah. So we could end up seeing, like, if Kira's still around way in the point of Empire Strikes Back era Star Wars, like, we know that she's at least active in the Crimson Dawn at this point in the story, or not at this point, but throughout the storyline of Star Wars, so we could end up seeing them built up again. Yeah, and one of the things, too, is right now I would say I'm like 50% Dryden Voss, 40% Bail Organa, 10% somebody else. Uh, the only reason I give Dryden Voss the edge over Bail Organa is we've kind of already had like that similar reveal of uh, someone working for Bail Organa in Rebels of with like Ahsoka and all that, so I just feel like mm-hmm. that would seem too repetitive if like this also happened to be Bail Organa. Yeah, I like Dryden Voss too because it's a character we haven't seen in animation, and like I mean, I guess we have technically, but yeah. we haven't seen him do anything he in, in had, the storyline and be an active character. He had no lines and like he was just standing in a pose, so like it <laughs> barely counts. Yeah, but I like that more about. Like I mentioned before, it's fun to bring characters in and be like, oh, here's some more about this one character. So, And maybe they could save Solo and make Solo a good movie. It's so terrible it's right great. now. It's right, great. You're only <laughs> saying it's terrible because you know I like it. You know you at least enjoy the movie. You're not out here being like, it's shitty. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy the movie, but I I like to give you some shit once in a while, Joe. You know? It's a great film. Okay, <laughs> I wouldn't even go as far as say it's great because that's like how many movies are great, but it's really good. I enjoyed it. But yeah, I think uh, Dryden Voss is a safe bet. Uh, one of the other, as far as other predictions, I'm cooling on my theory of Omega being like purposefully giving all of the abilities that the Bat Batch got accidentally just because of her not being as proficient with the bow. I think if she yeah, comes she out with the bow. Immediate... If she comes out with a bow and like she sucks. Like, she gets, like, the 3 for 12 or whatever she got with Sid, and then they're like, oh, you gotta do this, and she's like, okay, and then she goes 12 for 12, then I'm like, okay, maybe she is, you know, has, you know, whatever accidental DNA that gave Crosshair the ability to be a sharpshooter, but the fact that she still was kind of shitty with it, I'm going on the theory that she is, like, all of the Bad Batch combined. Yeah, I mean, I'm just further and further down the rabbit hole of her being a clone of... (laughs) Something you know, I don't know what they're gonna do with it, but it would be no, I, I, I don't think ridiculous enough. I don't think they're gonna be like extremely like, oh, she's like one part, uh, what's this, Django Fat, one part, uh, uh, Palpatine, one part, you know, Anakin Skywalker. I think they're just gonna straight up be like, yeah, she's a female version of Django Fat, and she has force abilities. That's kind of my full ex. What I think they're gonna go as far as full explanation. Yeah, I don't expect them to go too much into detail. I think they'll leave it up to the the viewer to determine, like, oh, that's probably part of this or that experiment that Palpatine was doing, and maybe yeah. he was doing this with that, and then maybe there's some other show or book can pick up on that little yeah. plot line and run with it in a different direction. But, yeah, I don't think 
this show is the place for them to do like a ton of canon problem solving at least not right now yeah. <laughs> like when you look back at clone wars they didn't really get into that like whole fixing of like maul and that kind of stuff until like season three four you know once they were established so i think if we end up seeing things like that it will be a lot later in the show than it is right now yeah I'm trying to think if there's any other theories or predictions i had they didn't really it's hard because the show doesn't really give you a lot of you know like next time on the bad batch mm-hmm. we're like okay let's form some theories about what we think like we know nothing about what next week's plot is yeah i hope we get crosshair back again it's been a drought of crosshair <laughs> and i think he's an interesting character he's a cool looking character i and I want to see more of what the Empire is like right now. I think that's the more interesting thing about this. Is like I want to get them either out in the world, seeing other planets and what it's like under the Empire, or see what the Empire is like. I just want to get an idea of what is it like when the Empire is actually taking over this galaxy so quickly and so efficiently. Yeah, I definitely... I feel like next week we've got to do something that gets us back to the main plot, whether it's seeing Crosshair again or maybe see uh, Kevin Owens try to draw Omega out again or, you know, something that kind of goes back. Because this one, it's like somewhat with the main plot of, you know, Wrecker's head situation and all that. But I just want more that kind of brings us back to what the main plot is. I don't want them going on, like, another mission for Sid. Yeah, I have a I have one final prediction that they tease Wrecker a lot with the Order 66 turn. And it would be a, it would be a nice twist if... Rector is not the one that turns in Echo or Hunter is the one that actually ends up turning and they've led us along this path of yeah. Rector only to subvert us towards the end of someone else yeah. being the one that turns. Yeah, I could also see it being a situation of like they have a fit like I know Tech was working on the brain scanner to like detect the microchips because they do know about it or something like that. So I could see it being like a one time only thing. You know, Rucker goes off, they fix him. And then immediately after they happen, something happens to Hunter and his goes off. And then it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that would be intense. I'm, I'm really looking forward to how this show will turn. Like the journey of all these animated shows has been like, oh, this is a fun adventure story. And then slowly but surely it's getting darker and darker. You're taking it a bit more seriously, a bit more seriously. And this show already started at a bit more of a serious spot than the other ones have. So I'm excited to see just, like, the rabbit hole it can go down if they really continue the format that these shows have set up. Season 5, Hunter's just sitting on the edge of a cliff (laughs) smoking cigarettes, you know. Yeah, they're slowing They've they've given up on uh, going on missions, and Omega, who now, like, ages doubly than, you know, the normal person, is now, what, she's, like, 10 here, so five years later she's like 20 and she's just selling her body for for public credits and or uh yeah our lovers now in the in the future yeah. by season five they've gone really dark with it really even serious. though they're like more bloodly related than brother and sister they're like 75 <laughs> percent. they're like basically like inbred brother and sister at that point and then their child is ray's mom exactly that's what happens why you guys heard it here first what if they did that like what if they were like yeah omega is ray's grandma they're like oh yeah it makes sense i don't even think the timeline lines up at all like well if she i'm trying to think ray is 19 in the force awakens and the force awakens i think is 29 years after return of the jedi so ray's born 10 years after return of the jedi um and so this is 
trying to think. So four years. So four years after New Hope, which would be 14 plus 19. What's 14 plus 19? Who knows? Uh, 24. Ray was born in 15 uh, after the Battle of Yavin. 15? The Rise of the New Republic. Yeah. Uh, 15, so 15 plus 19 is 25, 34. So Ray is born 34 years after the events of the Bad Batch. You know what? That could actually line up. But the problem is Omega ages doubly fast than everybody, so she would be like 70 years old fucking giving birth to Ray. So, like, Ray's grandma makes more sense than... You're right. I Ray's forgot mom. about the aging up. So, yeah, it had to be. It would have to be her grandma. That would be the twist. My God. They could do it. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> the explanation like we got is complicated enough. Because they yeah, did the I, whole... Like, one day. They d I think they were, like, intending Ray to just biologically be Palpatine's granddaughter, and then they, like, had the thought of, does anyone want to picture Palpatine, like, having sex? So they were just like, you know what? It's, like, a strand-cast weird clone of Palpatine that is Ray's father. So then it's, like, all weird and convoluted. Yeah, if that movie was anything, it was weird and convoluted. They yeah. were out of their way to... Things more complicated than they had to be. Yeah. All they <laughs> Thankfully, had to... we have these animated shows to untangle that web once in a while. All they had to do was make the Knights of Ren the main villain that Kylo Ren has to fight against when he turns good, and a lot of the rest of this movie would have made more sense. But I still enjoyed it for what it was, so whatever. This is not the Rise of Skywalker review. This is our Bad Batch review. So got it's all Star thoughts? Wars, man. It's all Star Wars. You know, it's the same. Oh, yeah. It's the same opera. It rhymes. Yeah. It's poetry. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on this ep on this episode? No, not really, do you? Not for me, no. It was a good time, but we talked about it a lot. Alright, so do you want to move on to our next conversation? Yeah, I have a couple written down for this one, so I'm curious yeah. to get yours. So I don't normally mention it at the top of the show, but I think I forgot. So after every, you know, after all of our reviews for The Bad Batch, we like to have a topic that kind of relates to the episode, but also relates to... Uh, Star Wars as a whole and because Omega got her new bow in the last episode and we got to see her use it in this episode we wanted to talk about our favorite weapons in Star Wars so Tristan you said you had a couple written down what are some of your favorites I'm going to start off though and one that I think uh, doesn't get as much love as it probably should and I really like Ezra's blaster in, or Ezra's lightsaber in Rebels I think yeah. it's a unique co combination of also being a blaster and a lightsaber it could have been very gimmicky but i think he ends up using it in interesting ways throughout the show and for something that was just designed to sell extra toys <laughs> i think it came out pretty well and it was a cool idea and i that was my pitch for one of the one of the good weapons what do you think of ezra's blaster uh yeah i thought it was cool as a mix between the blaster and a lightsaber it was really fun kind of weapon that i i thought was like a cool mix and a, you know something different to do with a lightsaber so you got one. You got one down, Joe. Or should I go for another one here? Uh, one of my things. Speaking of blasters and bows, I gotta. You can't. You can't talk about cool weapons that really don't make any sense. Like Chewie's bowcaster. Like, why does it have to be designed like a crossbow when it shoots blaster bolts? Doesn't really, you know, make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but you know, no. it's cool looking and it's fun and it launches stormtroopers. So. 
That's a good one. I, uh, what does Han say when he's five years thing? Oh, I like this thing. Or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah, after one he's been... Clips. That's one of my... I, I think that line is not great because you've been sitting next to him for 40 years as he's been using it. So why now all of a sudden are you like, oh, this, I want to fire that thing. Like, I don't know. It's dumb. Yeah. But I'm going to move on to something from, from that same movie that I liked a lot, and that's Kylo Ren's lightsaber. Yeah. My favorite of the lightsabers, I think the crossguard thing is cool looking without being too much of a ridiculous, like, it doesn't have to be like, oh, here's four sides of a lightsaber. Here's one that comes out and spins around, like Ray's one from Rise of Skywalker. It's like, oh, it's just a simple extra little thing that he has, and I think it also represents his character because it's so uncontained and so volatile, and it's like this raw energy and anger just completely barely held in check and i really like colorado a lot so i like and i like his lightsaber a lot so that's my pick for my favorite lightsaber in star wars all right uh we actually have bobby who's part of the main show in the twitch chat right now and uh he he was asking if that meant about our earlier conversation if that meant ray was born in 1993 i think i've done the math before i think technically if you say uh the battle of yavin was in 1977 ray would have been born in 1992 and uh if you want to line up those dates and then also he says his favorite weapon in star wars twitter <laughs> twitter the most powerful yeah. weapon in all of star wars and youtube yeah i think uh as far as far as me as far as lightsabers i think my favorite star wars lightsaber will be the lightsaber of this guy right here that's darth maul with the double bladed darth lightsaber the double bladed saber him igniting that thing in the phantom menace it would have, I think it would have been far more iconic if he didn't light it in the trailer and him lighting both sides of it the first time you saw it was in the movie. I think the mm -hmm. iconicness would have uh, been greater, but people expected it when they saw it in the movie, so it didn't have the same level of hype. Um, and then I think another great Star Wars weapon you can't talk, you got to talk about is the Death Star. I mean, the shit can blow up planets. So yes, it's no Star Killer base, but you know. It can it can blow up one planet once in a while, you know. All right, well, <laughs> Star Killer bases. That's my other big problem with the Force Awakens is Star Killer base, but that's a but different yeah, conversation that's super for a different iconic. time. And the fact that they've tried to repeat it so many times, I think, just speaks to the fact yeah. that it's so iconic. Like they can't think of anything else to do yeah. except for how do we how do we beat the thing that was so good in the very first yeah. movie, you know? Yeah, they got the Death Star in Episode Four. They got the second Death Star in Episode Six. Uh, they got the big gray circle in the sky that is just a space station, but it looks like a Death Star with a ring around it in the Phantom Menace. And then you have Starkiller Base in Episode 7. So. Hopefully we're done with those, at least for a little while. Yeah, I don't need any more Death Stars. Come up with a new thing that's cool and awesome. I want to give a shout-out to the seismic charges. How do we oh. talk about Star Wars weapons and not mention the seismic charges? The ultimate sound design of Star Wars. Thank you, ILM. <laughs> Yeah, the seismic charges are amazing. They were amazing in Attack of the Clones. They're the best moment in Attack of the Clones. And then when Boba Fett comes back in the Mandalorian and drops them, that that was great. Yeah, I think it's good. I really uh, love that sound. Like, I'll just watch Attack of the Clones so I can wait for that one scene because it's like, I got to put the headphones on. I got to <laughs> get ready. Here come the seismic charges. They didn't quite live up to me sound-wise in The Mandalorian. It wasn't as epic as it felt like in Attack of the Clones, but it was still cool to see him back again. You're just a Mandalorian hater, so... 
Look, I mean, I you know, we're talking about a. I I think Bad Batch is better than Mandalorian, but we'll get wow. to that in a future episode probably. That's inaccurate, you know. <laughs> See, I like when characters are represent, you know, races are represented by the actors that played them, and not a bunch of Maori, you know, actors voiced by a white guy. So. <laughs> you just, oh, okay. You just have racist thoughts, you know. Robert Rodriguez directs an episode of Latino director and you're like oh i don't enjoy this so i see where you're going yeah like i like my shows that somehow this animated kid show has more of a plot than two entire seasons of mandalorian did and i don't know how mm. to feel about that mm. i don't know if that's accurate either um uh, but anyway so favorite weapons you gotta go another one i think people forget about is uh what's his face donnie and its character in rogue one with his you know, like little bow thing that he has to pump up, and he was taking out Tie Fighters with that. That was pretty <laughs> sick. Yeah, it's one of those ones that like, like the strength of it kind of just went with whatever it was going against. Where if it was like going against a human, it would just kind of like hit them and they fall over, but also it could blow up a Tie Fighter. So a little bit inconsistency in the power of the weapon, but either way, it allowed a guy on the ground to take out a Tie Fighter. So. It at least deserves to be mentioned. Yeah, I think there. Were, I think Rogue One had some great action sequences. I think especially uh, there were some. I can't remember that. Oh, the Borgullet. That could be oh. a good weapon. You know, was, that was a. Uh, that scene is weapon. dumb. Okay, that scene could have <laughs> been great if anything that happened with the Borgullet mattered at all. But none of it mattered on any yep. level. They were just like, "Oh, the pilot's out of commission. We need him, you know, back on his feet." And then he's like, "What? Oh, well, I'm fine now. So yeah, I can pilot your thing." I'll throw one love to Mandalorian and say that it was cool when Boba Fett, or I think it was Tamara Morrison. You, I mean, I think it was Boba Fett's character. It might have been a. One of them used the rocket launcher thing on the top of the armor for Boba Fett and had the little thing come down, and I thought that was really cool. I liked the way that they took Boba Fett's armor and like turned it into, expanded upon what it was and, and used it pretty cool way. I just thought it was cool that yeah. had I the viewfinder come down and the rocket and everything else. I think that might have been in the Cobb Vance episode, but I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about. Also, the knee rockets from that Boba Fett uses in uh, his episode of The Mandalorian. Yep, yep. Those are also really good. God, Star Wars is filled with some great weapons. Even the stuff that shows up for like one scene in Rebels is out or in Clone Wars or something like that. There's always yeah. oh, someone to pull up some like cool looking cannon or like the dark saber will show up or something like that. Oh, how did I not mention dark dark saber is my favorite lightsaber? Duh, for, I always forget about the dark saber. Any 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 other final weapons? I feel like you've covered a lot of no, the highlights cause... here. The dark saber is the best weapon in all of Star Wars, so that's the only me- re- weapon we need to reference. Okay, you mentioned dark saber, you mentioned Kylo Ren's lightsaber, so I feel like we're, we've covered everything. Yeah, I want to see a cool <laughs> new lightsaber in the next, you know, live action Star Wars or whatever. Any t- the next time we see a live action Star Wars lightsaber duel, I want to see a cool new lightsaber. That's what I wish is. That'd be nice, but it's probably gonna be Obi Wan or Ahsoka, so we probably won't see one. They could fight a villain with a cool lightsaber. So. <laughs> we'll see. When Obi-Wan fights Mace Windu in, uh, in the Obi-Wan show, then we'll get a purple lightsaber fight. So I'll have like a triple-bladed purple lightsaber. Exactly. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on this discussion? No, I had a good time. It was a lot of weapons I'm sure we missed, but 
Star Wars is filled with iconic and cool weapons. Yep. All right. Uh, have a nice day. Uh, thanks for watching. Catch us next week when we review episode seven of The Bad Batch, uh, title to be determined later.